0: Darius Bowman good for a touchdown in week six does that qualify as a hot take
1: I don't know if a Darius Bowman's good for a reception in week six (laughs) so yeah I'll qualify that as a hot take nice Welcome to week
0: six as the CFL Fantasy podcast is a go. CFL fantasy.tsn.ca. Set your lineups and let's get ready as the season rolls on. We're already moving towards uh, one-third of the season being done. For some teams, we're getting right up on it as the season is well underway and stories continue to develop. Get your lineup set. And uh, we'll try and help you do that for another week. Welcome to the program, Pat Steinberg, along with Jeff Crever and Hannah Nordman. We've got lots to talk about as we get set for a four-game week in Week 6. Don't forget, $10,000 is your season-long prize for CFL Fantasy. And guys, we had a very busy week in CFL Fantasy, despite the fact that Week 5 only gave us three weeks. And right off the bat, we have to get a, a huge round of applause and uh, some special music for Hannah Nordman. Because for the second time this year one of our three members of the cfl fantasy podcast win over 100 points 101.7 for hannah last week a congratulations and b what do you have to say for yourself
1: i just squeaked it out i was messing with a couple lineups and i went with this one and it was actually the lowest scoring lineup that i could have played so you guys are lucky because i could have jumped right out in front but i needed this big week jeff i'm coming for you
2: I'm curious to see what kind of special music Hannah's going to choose because she's the one that gets to edit this and and, and insert it. Yeah. Um, So I I wonder what, what direction that's going to go in.
1: I've got some sound effects up my sleeve. I'm ready.
2: All right. Yeah, she can use.
0: Uh, she can selectively use some good applause as well. Like it doesn't have to be sitcom applause. Like we can talk about roar of a crowd. It's uh, it's all in uh, it's all in Hannah's hands. But she deserves it. 101.7, Second one hundred point week for Hannah this year. So our standings right now after week five because Crever came in second and for a second straight week I uh, was the third place member of our team. Although I went like twenty points higher than what I ended up getting in week five. Uh, a little better. bit of a bounce back for me. It it it, it was. Better, not as good as you two, but it was better. 87.8 points for me, 93.6 for Creever, and 101.7 for Nordman. So, uh, lots to get into about our weeks because the no defense strategy seemed to pay off for both Hannah and I. Uh, Hannah, Duke Williams, and Andrew Harris uh, were big for you. And all of our locks of the week came through in week number five as well. James Wilder Jr., SJ Green, and Andrew Harris for me, Jeff, and Hannah, respectively. Respectively. So it actually in terms of advice and in terms of our performances, we actually
2: had a pretty good week five, guys. I think that we can
0: for once all three of us can be proud of our performances.
2: Hooray for respectability. What a big week for the fantasy podcast. I you know what? And I don't know if you guys have any regrets. I you talked about the no defense thing, and I was so sure I wasn't gonna go with the defense last week. Well, Last-minute lineup changes. I went with the defense, but I picked the wrong one. I went with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Calgary Stampeders. Could have afforded Calgary. Um, juggled my lineup, though, to to get the Bombers in there, and it ended up costing me almost 20 points, 17 points being the difference between those two. But, uh, yeah, you guys went with the no-defense strategy, and it worked for you. So that's, that's big, and that's big moving forward to tell you that you can do that if you need to to get extra guys in your lineup.
1: And it's something I'm thinking about doing again this week. I haven't fully decided, but I don't love a lot of my options. So we'll see. might be a back-to-back no defense.
2: I disagree with you. I don't know. Well... We'll see. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that down the line. I think there. I think there are a couple of can't miss defenses this week, so uh, they're giving me lots of options. Anyway, as I'm still racking my brain on all of this.
0: As it stands right now, I'm sitting and I'm looking at my preliminary lineup, and I do not have a defense uh, fielded right now. So we'll see. That is not set in stone, but as it stands right now, my preliminary lineup does not have a defense for a second consecutive week. But guys, I think there's more important things because I, I, I've got a huge question that I need to bounce off you, and I feel like Jeff, you're the one that is capable of answering at first because I feel like Hannah might be a little biased but you know it's been a big big week in the CFL so we had three big stories I guess I need to know which was the biggest story of the week so we've got Terrell Owens potentially coming to the CFL uh, he apparently reportedly has activated his 10-day signing window with the Edmonton Eskimos Travis Lule returns with the BC Lions leads them on a great comeback and they end up beating the Winnipeg Blue bombers in week five that was a feel good story or is Hannah's big week at over hundred points the biggest story of the CFL week Jeff what say you
2: well I can barely hold the mic here uh everything's slipping all over the place grease all over the paper because I've got butter all over my hands from the popcorn Terrell Owens Pat Hannah Terrell Owens we could be we could we could be choosing this guy in fantasy in a couple of weeks. I'm sure he'll be a $2,500 player. Well, maybe more. I don't know. We'll see. If he's $2,500, maybe he's worth a look. But hey, uh, Terrell Owens. This is a guy that was one of the best receivers in the NFL for a decade and a half. Um, to me, that's the biggest story. I mean, no disrespect to Hannah. Hannah's 100-point week was was certainly remarkable, and she's catching up to me in the standings, and and um, things are looking up for us. But for the For the Edmonton Eskimos, whether they sign Terrell Owens or not, or if he ends up going somewhere else, I hope it's somewhere because uh, this guy not only is a great entertainer but an an absolutely phenomenal talent. Um, And I think he could do it in this league. I think he can play, especially if you put him uh, at an outside receiver spot where he's not running the waggle uh, and if he's on a team that needs a starter at that position, which I don't see it being Edmonton right now. But, man, how can you not get excited about that?
1: I'd love to say I'm the big story, but even I can't say that. Uh, That BC-Winnipeg game was wild did anyone see that finish coming i know a lot of people in winnipeg who are not happy they either went to bed at halftime with a 17 point lead or they stuck it out right till midnight and regretted it
2: i had a six game streak in Pick'em going and uh and the bombers ruined that one so i that's a tough loss for me I can't imagine for Bombers fans, especially the ones that went to bed. That's what you got to love. you got the game on the West Coast, and you end up going to bed at halftime thinking it's in the bag, and you wake up the next morning and go, whoops, what happened?
1: I think a lot of them are asking themselves what happened after that one. Let's see how they regroup this week.
2: Can we just
0: remember that Terrell Owens hasn't caught a pass in a professional football game since 2010, and he's 44 years old? Like we're talking about, we're talking about a player that yeah, it's it's been a while since we've seen him play, uh, whether whether it be in the NFL or whether it be you know. Elsewhere, and whether we, it's been a long time since we've seen him lifting weights on his front lawn. Like Terrell Owens is 44 years old. Perhaps we don't, don't need to be talking about him coming to the CFL. And yet, as much as I say that, as much as I'm like, ah, you know what, it's probably not going to end up working out all that well. At the same time, I'm with you. As as, as much as I hated that popcorn reference that you had telegraphed, Creever, I'm with you. I think that uh, it would be pretty cool to see him come to the CFL, if only for the fireworks and if only for the clips that we're going to get from him. So we'll see if Terrell Owens ends up coming his way uh, to the CFL or making his way to the CFL, rather. And if it's the Edmonton Eskimos or another team, it'll certainly provide some entertainment. Whether it's on the field or not, that remains to be seen. And yeah, I enjoyed seeing Travis Lule uh, engineer that comeback and return to the CFL as a starter as a victorious quarterback. Okay, we're underway in the week six edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Let's go through our week five highlights to get you set for week six. As Look, Hannah called it on Twitter earlier this week. She's not wrong, she's bang on because Andrew Harris seems like he is a lock and a must start every week. It's not very often that the most picked player ends up getting the most points in any given week but that was the case this week as Harris continues his breakneck pace 32.8 fantasy points against the BC Lions As for receivers, Duke Williams continued his domination 27.3 points, that is a fourth consecutive week where he's got over 20. Can't pick him this week, Eskimo's have a buy. Only other receiver that went over 20 was Jeff's lock of the week last week. S.J. Green broke out with 25.1 and... If you took his advice and you gambled on green, you got him at a pretty good price, and that paid off in a big, big way. Quarterbacks, not so good. Mike Riley, the only one to go over 20 last week. He went 21.8. Travis Lule made him the, uh, his late touchdown made him the bargain of the week. He was about $5,000 last week, and so he ended up giving you some decent points as a result. Outside of that, Bo, Bo Levi Mitchell gets hurt, so didn't put up a lot of points. And how about the combined points for Winnipeg's Matt Nichols? My hot take of last week. He killed me and uh, Ottawa's Trevor Harris. Nichols and Harris, not each, combined for 2.3 points. Wah, and if you put wah. either Harris or Nichols in, 2.3 points, Jeff, that's right.
2: Yep, that's right. Wah, wah. Okay, I'll, I'll leave, you know what, I'll leave the sound effects to Hannah and, and the magic of editing. Um, 2.3 points. Wow. Awful. Pat, how, how do you have any breath left after all that? That's a, what a, that was a mouthful. What a week.
0: Not even done because Shaq Johnson was the uh, bargain bin steal, steal of the week. And Romar Morris gave gave everybody a pretty good buy as well as he stepped in for the injured Terry Williams for the Stampeders and uh, had 83 savvy fantasy owners pick him up. Uh, he was a bargain basement play. $2,500 gave you 13.2 points. So some good bargain picks. We didn't pick any of the bargain picks last week, but uh, certainly there were some good bargain picks last week. So that's what happened in week five. And it's funny because as we look ahead to week six, guys a really interesting topic that popped up during Week 5 matchups. We were all looking forward to the rematch of Ottawa and Calgary, and it turned out to be a little bit of a dud from a fantasy standpoint and from an Ottawa standpoint. The Stampeders were dominant in a 27-3 victory as Nick Arbuckle stepped in for the injured Bolivie Mitchell. He got the job done, uh, and defensively, the Stamps were off the chain. So, we talked about that game going in, because their Week 3 meeting, despite the fact it was fairly low scoring as well, gave us a nice, Jeff, as you call it, a nice fantasy baseline for a lot of players. But outside of really Don Jackson and Kamar Jordan who had nice weeks, there were not a whole lot of really solid fantasy plays, especially from the Ottawa side. If you took anyone on the Red Blacks, you were solely disappointed last week. So I guess, guys, I'll throw this one out there because as Ottawa's back in action this week and as we look ahead to week six, how gun-shy are we about putting Red Blacks players in our lineup? Are we a little worried about their performances in their two games recently against the Stampeders or is it just a product of them playing by far the number one defense in the league?
2: Well, I think at this point, you have to, you have to look at that matchup with Calgary and say, that's an anomaly. Ottawa has played Calgary in two out of four games this year, and the Stampeders have given up under 10 points per game to opponents. Yes, the Stampeders' defense is that good. Um, Look, I I haven't been as crazy about Trevor Harris, uh, especially from a fantasy perspective, as some people. I don't like the fact that he's not going to give you value uh, running the football with his legs, and he's not going to get those goal line carries. I've said it in the past. But the receivers on that offense are unbelievable, and Harris has the arm to make a big impact I think you're crazy if you look at those two games against Calgary and then become all of a sudden scared to use red-blacks. I think you're missing out on an opportunity because Greg Ellingson is a consistent elite fantasy producer. William Powell, same thing for him. Deontay Spencer, more of a boomer bust option, but he's going to put up points. And Trevor Harris, uh, in the right matchups, he can completely go off. So, no, I'm not scared at all. That Ottawa matchup, Ottawa-Calgary matchup, yes, I was one to shy away from it. But against other opponents, I, if, if other people are sleeping on those guys, I'm happy to take advantage.
1: I felt pretty fortunate to get 7.7 points out of Sinopoly. I was a little bit worried as that game was going on, but, you know, you, I didn't come out with nothing there. I don't love what I'm seeing in Ottawa, but, yeah, I wouldn't shy away from these guys. I think they're t- perfectly valid options moving forward, and I think I'm pretty much avoiding anyone that Calgary's playing against right now their defense is scary
2: the thing that I like about Ottawa Pat and Hannah is the fact that from a fantasy perspective that offense is going through just a few players Um, you know Sinopoli is going to put up consistent numbers uh, but for the most part that offense is going through Greg Ellingson William Powell and Trevor Harris Deontay Spencer again he's that boomer bust guy but if you have the money to get a Greg Ellingson against pretty much any team except for Calgary he's going to give you a big game same thing goes for William Powell and for the most part same goes with Trevor Harris so yeah I'm sticking with those Ottawa guys when I can and when it works in my lineup and especially when the matchup uh, begs for that which I think this week against the BC Lions I think it does a little yeah. bit
0: that, that's kind of what I was going to say, and I, I hate to be the third person to say the same thing and agree because it's always better when we disagree a little bit, but I, I can't I can't fake it because you take a look at that matchup, it's tantalizing. For all those players you mentioned, uh, from Sinopoli to Ellingson to, to Deontay Spencer, Trevor Harris at quarterback, and William Powell seems like a pretty really solid play this week in Week 6 as well. So I like the matchup for Ottawa. I'm not scared about them going up against the Stampeders and not putting up a lot of points because the Stamps – as we'll talk about as this uh, program continues. Stamps defense is next level right now and it's tough to pick anybody good offense or not good offense going up against the Stampeders defensively. So I'm with you. I don't think it's a risky play. Ottawa's got BC on Friday night and we'll see if the Red Blacks can bounce back offensively after putting up just three points uh, in week five against the Stampeders. Okay, week six is upon us. Let's get all that we need to know looking ahead for our fantasy matchups and on-field matchups. Hannah has got our week six fantasy flash
2: i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and i need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen
1: All right, the Argos have signed former NFL running back and Pro Bowl returner Dexter McCluster. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs, Tennessee Titans, and San Diego Chargers, and attended his first practice on Tuesday. He will appear in the game at 2,500, although it's unknown whether he'll actually debut on Saturday. Continue to monitor the Stampeders quarterback situation this week. Bo Levi Mitchell has been in full equipment at practice, but Nick Arbuckle continued to handle most of the reps on Tuesday in practice. Arbuckle checks in at $5,000, and he's starting to look like this week's starter if things don't change fast. Staying in Calgary, Danny Austin of the Calgary Herald reports that both receiver Eric Rogers and running back Terry Williams are practicing this week. Both sat out in Week 5 but could be available against Montreal on Saturday. Drew Willie was back at practice this week for the Owls and is expected to get the start against Calgary. While Willie checks in at 62-96, he faces a nightmare of a matchup against the vaunted Stampeder defense. In BC, Wally Buono has said that Jeremiah Johnson is very doubtful to play this week. Look for the Lions to activate Brandon Rutley if he's ready. The Ticats are off the bye week this week, but may not have Luke Tasker. Their dependable receiver will be a game-time decision according to June Jones. And no no update on the status of injured running back C.J. Gable. The Eskimos are on the bye this week, but if he can't go in week seven, Jordan Robinson and Shaq Cooper will be candidates to take his place.
2: Whew. I'm exhausted after that. A lot of news, a lot of stuff going on this week. Wow. It's good to have... Four games back again, too. That uh, that three-game week threw us for, for a little bit of a loop. Uh, Dexter McCluster being at Argos practice on Tuesday. That was a little bit interesting. Um, and it was funny. McCluster uh, told our guy, Chris O'Leary, and you can see the article on CFL.ca, but he mentioned when he got to Toronto, the first things he noticed were the CN Tower and how much Drake is on the radio. I kind of thought, well, yeah, I guess Drake is on the radio a lot. Maybe, maybe a little too much. Is that just a Toronto thing, or is that, like, Hannah, you're from Winnipeg, and and Pat in Calgary, is that all of Canada? What is that?
1: I haven't noticed it that much in Winnipeg.
2: All right, all right. I mean, I love Drake, but I. Mm. Is it is it is it a, is it a oh, sin? Is it bad to say? it? Should I not be saying Toronto. this right now? That they it's maybe a, lot a little bit too much.
1: I would no. I I think there's definitely a level where too much is a thing, and on Toronto radio stations, it's too much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> let's uh, let's start with the quarterbacks. Bo Levi Mitchell, question mark, might not play. Probably won't play at this point. Mike Riley on the bye week. Uh, the Alouettes with Drew Willie. The Riders uh, with their quarterback rotation. Got a lot of situations around the league that we're probably avoiding this week or top guys that aren't available. Um, that, of course, makes Jeremiah Mazzoli the highest-ranked option. And when you look and you think of the, most guys that, the guys that are most reliable, you're probably looking this week at Franklin, Lule, and Mazzoli. Then I have to ask, what about the guys we talked about earlier? Matt Nichols and Trevor Harris. We talked about what they did last week. Uh, Trevor Harris putting up a negative score. Matt Nichols throwing a few picks in a loss to BC. These are two quarterbacks that we've talked about for a long time as closing in on elite, whatever that means. Some people are staying away now. Do these guys bounce back this week? You know, I'll I'll take that
0: first because... I put Nichols in my lineup last week and remember he was the the big hot take. He was the guy that I was going with. I was pretty confident that they were going to open up the playbook a little bit for him and allow him to be a little bit more involved in the offense as opposed to his first start of the season, which they did, but he wasn't very good. Three interceptions, no touchdowns, just two hundred and fourteen yards. But it was one of those games. And you know, it's it's funny because I'm looking here at my preliminary lineup again, and I've got Nichols in there, and I I think that there is a potential that we could be talking about him having a bounce back, and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just banging my head against the wall here, but I still feel like Matt Nichols is a solid buy. He's under seven thousand dollars, and against that Toronto defense, guys, Toronto is the worst passing defense in the CFL so far this season. You can put up yards on them over the top, and I think that they went out of their way to open the playbook for them in week five for Nichols rather in week five. And he's their guy. He is the guy that is going to be under center. If the bombers are going to take that next step, if Winnipeg is going to finally win a playoff game here. And if they're going to be the group that they hope to be, and that is a team that can challenge to the top of the West division, it's going to be with Nichols at quarterback. And I think that that's why they're going to continue to put him in there and put him in situations to succeed. So I look at this matchup. I look at Nichols. I look at Darvin Adams. Uh, I look at Nick Dembski, I look at Wola and obviously Andrew Harris. And I, I think that there are some potential interesting plays on the Winnipeg side of things, and Nichols is one of them. So we already talked about Trevor Harris. I think we all look at that as a, a matchup where he can bounce back in and against BC. And Hannah, I'm, I've, it's preliminary, but I've got Nichols in my lineup right now.
1: Man, kudos, because you said you might not do it last week, and you went for it, so kudos to you. Didn't pay off, but to do it again, you're you're getting into fool me once, shame on you territory. Could yep. he fool you twice? I don't love it. I'm not going anywhere near there until he shows me that he's ready, and I'm seeing a lot of downs still being given to Stravler in some key red zone sub-five yard situations. I think he... he he didn't make them they the conversions didn't come but they're still going to him on some key plays and until they give all of those to Nichols I'm not sure I'm not going near there
2: it's interesting because I think I think Streveler's usage might be a little bit overstated right now he's mostly being used in short yardage situations and then after he converts they're kind of leaving him in there so they can they can uh, rush up and, and keep the defense from changing uh, from changing packages but you know what I, I, I as much as I was against Nichols last week and as poorly as I, I felt that he played I'm I'm kind of in his corner this week as well and Hannah I'm sorry to go against you here but I think Nichols and Harris are both due for big bounce back weeks in fact I would predict 20 plus weeks for those guys and now I, I don't know if that's a hot take or not I, for both, you guys for both of them. For both of them. I I predict they will both have twenty or more points uh, based on matchups and based on tendencies. Look,
0: Matt Nichols. Matt, well if it's if it's a hot take, then I'm with I'm with you right there. Like if it's a hot take, well, then
2: it's a, a dual hot take from Jeff and Pat. I don't know if that's a thing. If two people think the same thing, <laughs> if it's a hot take, I don't know. I look. If the thing about Matt Nichols is This guy has been a reliable, consistent starting quarterback. And I don't think that all of a sudden changes after a couple of bad outings. Yes, he needs some time to get back into it. Um, But the Bombers do have some weapons. And this week, Pat, you hit the hammer. uh, Well, you hit the nail on the head uh, with the hammer. I don't know how this whole hammer and nail thing works, I guess. Um, But with the fact that they're playing the Argos secondary that's a group that has been exploited this year from a fantasy perspective and even though the Argos held Mike Riley and the Eskimos to 17 points and 16 points back to back respectively there were a lot of yards there and something tells me that bend but don't break you can only do that for so long and get away with it so I'm 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 going with Darvin Adams this week, and I'm thinking hard about taking Matt Nichols. If it's not Matt Nichols, it might be Trevor Harris or it might be Travis Lule. Uh, But I'm I'm thinking that Nichols is in for a big bounce back week.
1: I don't love it. Maybe I've just seen too much Nichols, too much bomber football, a little bit pessimistic around the team, especially after that last game, but... Man, buyer beware. I don't love the that. The price is right. Play.
2: The price is right.
1: I jumped on the Strevler train because I was feeling it and he was doing well. I am not ready to jump on this Nichols train. It's it's not entirely the team. I, I do not have faith to put Nichols in a position that important on my team. Not doing it. Fair. On the other side of the field in last week's game, we saw Chris Rainey in a bit of a workhorse role after Jeremiah Johnson got injured on Saturday. Johnson likely out in week six. Pat and Jeff, does this add any intrigue to Rainey's value at the moment?
0: It does, and we always know that that Rainey's the type of guy that is going to give you some interesting fantasy value with what he does in the punt and the kick return game. And if he's going to be used a little bit more offensively, I'm kind of interested in what he might end up doing. Now, his salary is at about $7,700, $7,686 for Rainey, which I believe makes him the fourth highest valued running back in week number six so it's not like you're getting crazy value with Rainey but certainly if he's going to touch the football 15 16 times offensively and then add his special teams touches as well he becomes a really intriguing option so Jeff at 7700 I don't think you're looking at Rainey as a a super solid value buy I think you're looking at him more as a as a running back purely this week and and added the the fact that he probably still is going to get some solid special teams touches he interests me I I I'd be a little shy myself just because we don't know exactly, A, how BC is going to run their offense with Rainey in it, and B, if the Lions are going to be able to put up consistent yards and points, but he is more intriguing for me this week than he has been at any other point this season.
2: Those that had Rainey last week obviously lucked out a little bit, Um, the opposite of those that had Jeremiah Johnson. How frustrating is that? When you have a player who gets injured and doesn't come back in the first quarter, that is probably the worst thing in fantasy that can happen. Um, And, yeah, Rainey handling carries, getting receptions, and still handling special teams duties, that sounds great. But Pat and Hannah, I don't think that's going to happen. I see the BC Lions, and with their tendencies and what Wally Buono's done in the past – I think what they're going to do is they're going to activate Brandon Rutley or Trayvon Van, probably Rutley, as long as he's ready to go. He's been waiting, uh, and I think Rutley gets the share, of the, gets the Lions share of the work there. No pun intended, maybe pun intended, um, but not telegraphed like not with you definitely not pun telegraphed intended. like everything else. Apparently that I've said, Pat. Tough crowd, man. Pat, you're my <laughs> toughest critic. You are my toughest critic by far. <laughs> um, I, I don't think to me for Chris Rainey I think it's status quo there I think he'll continue to get some carries on offense get a few receptions uh, on the side note there I do think they need to find a way to get him uh, more involved in the offense catching the football um but until that happens uh, on a more consistent basis, I think he's a guy right now that's going to s- sort of fall into that no man's land. And we'll talk about this because it's the next topic. And I'll let Hannah bring, bring us forward to it. But we got those running backs that are really high priced uh, to the point where if you're taking Chris Rainey, he's your high priced running back. So
1: Yeah, listen, I'm all about value. But at $7,700, there can be way better ways to spend that money. I'm all for splashing the cash on a guy if I think he deserves it, if I think he's going to put up big points. Uh, He's not one of them. The three running backs ahead of him in price, Andrew Harris at 9,000, James Wilder Jr., 8,600, William Powell, 8,200. If you're taking one of these guys every week, which honestly I think you should, you should have one of these three guys as one of your running backs. Which of the three are you guys taking?
0: Yeah, it's it's a good question, and I think all three are, are better buys than Rainey. I'm, I'm with you completely there. I just think he's a little more intriguing in Week 6 than he has been at any other point. I'm not putting Rainey in my lineup, the guy that I'm talking about there, and all three of Harris, Wilder, and Powell are guys that are in must-start category right now, but for me, of those three, and it's slim, it's William Powell, and that's a matchup-specific thing. BC gives up a ton of yards on the ground. They're averaging more than 150 yards uh, against on the ground so far this season. You can, you can thrash that BC defense when it comes to the rush game. And for me, it's William Powell. And that's why, if, if I'm looking at just this week's numbers, Powell's the guy for me.
2: And guys, this was, this was late-breaking news for us. So late that we didn't even have it in the news update. But Solomon Elimian isn't playing this week. So That's true. That, that's, yep. I mean, he, he could be going on the sixth game, but whatever the injury is, it's a, I, I believe it's a wrist injury. That was reported uh, earlier today and then confirmed by Wally Buono. But he, he's not going to play this week. And if that Lions run defense and that front seven was vulnerable with Solomon El-Mimian, um imagine now. I got to take William Powell. I have to have William Powell in my lineup. He was the first person I picked this week. So, you know, Andrew Harris and James Wilder Jr., you can't go wrong with, shoot, James Wilder Jr. had, what did he have, 23? He had over 20 points. And, you know, watching the game from the eye test, it didn't even look like he did anything. But add in a few catches, get, a, get him a goal line carry, and all of a sudden you got a 20-plus week. Uh, and, and same with Andrew Harris. He's going to put up points as well. But this is the kind of week where I look at William Powell and I say, he could really go off because the Red Blacks run the football. That is one thing they do. Uh, Jamie Elizondo, he will stick with the run.
1: None of these guys are are incorrect. And I'm sticking with Harris this week because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, man, those bonus points you get for his receptions – gotta love him he's got 20 receptions this season Wilder 17 Powell four receptions Mm -hmm. so you've only gotten the four bonus points in the PPR this this season so far I like Harris he's not splitting carries with anyone you know the ball is going in his hands I he's a home run for me he's in my lineup every week until he proves that he shouldn't be
2: And that's what scares me about Powell. A, the lack of receptions, and B, the fact that when Ottawa gets near the goal line, they throw the football. Most of their touchdowns are through the air. Trevor Harris throwing the ball. So William Powell, he gets a ton of yards, but the touchdowns and the catches aren't always there. Most of the time, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to go with Powell when he's that expensive but just that matchup with bc pat it's i can't ignore it
0: the other thing i can't ignore is that this is the most consistent pure running back in the cfl the last two seasons last year i know he didn't play a full year and this year we're talking about the most consistent guy harris is right there behind him but in terms of yardage when you're talking about getting from just pure yardage eight or nine points a game from powell you know you're getting that from him and if he throws in a touchdown or two it's icing on the cake he is the most consistent rusher in the CFL and that's also why I feel pretty comfortable in putting him in there, especially after the game he had against Calgary. That was such an atypical game for Powell and, and the, the Red Blacks offense. What 17 yards he had on the ground, he's gonna have a whole lot more against BC. Not look there's nothing wrong with what you said there, Hannah, about Andrew Harris. In fact, what the guy is doing right now at the age of 31 and this late in his career and the fact that he might be better now and more productive now than he ever has been is remarkable. This is more just a B.C. Powell thing for me than anything else, but you certainly can't go wrong putting a guy like Harris. in. the only difference there is I believe there's a pretty significant gap in terms of their salary. Yeah, it's about an $800 gap as uh, Harris is up over $9,000 For week number six but again you can't go wrong putting him in your lineup
2: while we're while we're on the topic of running backs and before hannah moves us on here um i want to ask both of you we look at these options in these three high-priced guys that you have to have in your lineup and i have to beg the question is don jackson in that category and if so um with his price being what it is uh which is five thousand seven hundred roughly um that's a guy you have to have in your lineup. And, and could you envision a scenario where you have Don Jackson and uh, maybe a cheaper buy at running back and using Jackson as that RB1? Is he there yet? Are you confident in that?
1: I love Jackson. He's been about as consistent as you can be between 14 and 16 points every single week, and his price is going up. So he's getting less and less of a value pick. But I've been using a, him as an RB2. He's not RB1 status yet. At $5,600, $5,700, I still have enough space to move him in the RB2 spot, get a big-ticket guy for number one. I, I'm not playing Jackson and a lower price guy. I think you can spend a little bit more money, and it's much more worth your while, but he's getting there
0: well Hannah I'm with you in terms of how I'm structuring my lineup that's how I did it last week is how I'm doing it this week as well I've got Powell as my RB1 and Jackson as my RB2 as it stands right now but I do think you could get away depends on on your strategy like for me I'm going no defense again I think as as we look ahead to week six so if you're not going with a defense well then you can get away with putting a big price big ticket RB1 in there and having Jackson at $5,700 but if you are staunch and if you if you've had success picking your flex guys and picking your defenses and if you're staunch and having every position filled well then going jackson as your rb1 and looking for a lower price guy or a commensurate price guy might be the way to go at running back for me I have him as an RB2 this week, but I do think he's knocking on the door to be a running ba- a top running back option. Take a look at his consistency. He's getting used as Calgary's feature back. He has not been under 84 yards on the ground so far this season. They have not used him a lot in the receiving game. So I think Jackson's closing in on an RB1. I've got him as an RB2 this week, but because I'm not playing a defense, I've got the flexibility to do that.
1: Well, yeah, let's talk defense, because Calgary was huge last week. 21 points. Anyone who had them in their lineup was very pleased. They lead the CFL in sacks, takeaways, and points per game, and they're playing against Montreal. Do
2: you have to rub it in? (laughs) Are you trying to do this now? Uh, No. You're killing me.
1: Not quite. Well, you just missed out. So are they your lock this week? Is that who you're going with?
2: Well... I almost thought about, cause we do our locks of the week at the end of every podcast. I almost thought about going with a defense as a lock of the week. And it's, this is a fun debate and something that I'm looking forward to breaking down with you guys and seeing, and, and also seeing what everyone else thinks, uh, as a defense being a must start because Calgary obviously being uh, as expensive as that unit is, um, there's a reason they allow under 10 points per game. They lead the CFL in sacks. Uh, Takeaways, points per game, like you said, Hannah. Um, and they're going against a team that is at the opposite in every offensive category. Montreal Alouettes are vulnerable. Uh, I can imagine there are going to be some sacks in that game, probably going to be some turnovers, even though the Owls, to their credit this year, have not turned the ball over very often. They're second in that category. Uh, one thing that is going well for that offense. I just The way that defense is playing, the fact that the game is in Calgary, uh, I think it's almost crazy not to take Calgary because if you have a defense that can give you 20 points you take that for for whatever it is. If you have a defense that you think is going to get you 20 points, you got to take that.
0: As a recent convert to the don't feel the defense side of things, it's tough for me to agree with you, Jeff, because from from a football perspective, there is zero doubt. Devon Claybrooks could probably go climb up a a, a mountain here in the Rocky Mountains and proclaim, I want to be a head coach, and he'd probably be a head coach right now if he wanted to because Calgary's defensive coordinator is that good and he's got this defense playing at a ridiculous clip. They are number one in virtually every statistical category. Turnover ratio, turnovers forced, uh, overall points against, yards against, passing yards against, rushing yards against. This is the number one defense in the CFL by a bullet but it's not like they put up consistent fantasy points. It took them a 3 interception, 4 sack game for them to get the same amount of a, a, as a pretty good receiver. And that is that is an atypical game for any defense in this league, even the Stampeders. They went 8 9 8 21. I don't think you can expect them to get 21 points and for the price they're costing right now 5580, well you can get a Brad Sinopoli for less than that. You can get Darvin Adams for less than that and I think that there's a safer bet that Sinopoli or Adams goes higher than that. So again, this comes from the school of thought where you don't feel the defense, and at fifty-five eighty, it's it's tough for me to justify putting a Stampeders defense in. If you are totally against that train of thought and you don't go about your business that way, well, there's no doubt about it. The Stampeders are the safest defense to play against Montreal. But I just at fifty-five eighty, it's tough for me to justify knowing the success I had in week five, not putting a defense in my lineup.
1: Nobody's getting big points from their defense. Just- Just because they're holding the other team off the board in a big way. You need a pick six. You need three interceptions. You need your defense to do something special. We've had five weeks here. It's been five different defenses with the top score. It was Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Montreal, Winnipeg, and Calgary. It it really is a gamble here. You're rolling the dice. You don't know who's going to be the big defense coming out big every single week. This is as close as I think you can get as a sure thing, but I still don't think it's there. And for 5,600, I'd love to put that money on a receiver instead.
2: Well, I'm 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 doing the math here, and I got the chart here to break it down. You get a point for every sack. You get two points for a pick, a fumble, um, a safety. If you shut a team out, that's 10 points. A touchdown is six points. Um, if you score a touchdown defensively, uh, and if you're allowing single digit points, that's getting you somewhere between four and seven points. I just I think this Calgary defense and the owls give up a ton of sacks, so that's you're probably looking at, I would have to say you're setting a line of four and a half sacks. I guess going into this game if you had to pick a line, I' would probably take the over on that. Um, I think there's a really good chance that this Calgary team puts up a 20 point game against the owls on defense back-to-back 20-point games i mean if that's what they could do to trevor harris uh, think about them at home also in a game that's probably going to be lower scoring with nick arbuckle if he's starting a quarterback i just there is another defense i'm looking at this week and it's the hamilton tiger cats i think it's a really good week to pick a defense because there are some good matchups there I like the tie Cats in that matchup against the Riders at home in Hamilton. Uh, crowd is going to be crazy. Uh, the tie Cats defense hasn't done a ton yet as far as making big plays. I think there are many to come. And, uh, and I think the Riders are, vul- are vulnerable to make some mistakes. But, yeah, for me, picking a defense this week, I know we've harped on it now uh, quite a bit, but picking a defense is a no-brainer. And if I don't pick Calgary, I will take Hamilton.
1: Well, let's talk about that Thursday night matchup. Cats and Riders back off the bye, and they play in a rematch. Last time they played, the Riders squeaked one out, although the Cats were the better team throughout most of the contest. Pat, you were bullish on Jeremiah Masoli last time. Is he a solid pick in Week 6?
0: All this guy has done since the final few weeks of last year and into his first four starts of this year is throw for 300 or more yards each and every week. And when you factor in what he's going to get you in terms of his rushing yards, he got you six fantasy points last week on the ground, or week four rather, his last start, uh, to go along with his 300-plus yards passing. Jeremiah Mazzoli is a solid play every week. I think right now we've entered territory where there's a few quarterbacks that you can be safe playing every week and know that you're going to get good points from them. Bo Levi Mitchell, when he's healthy, obviously, there's question marks about that for this week. Bo Levi Mitchell's in there. Mike Riley's in there. Jeremiah Mazzoli is the third one. And I think Mazzoli is just as safe a bet, if not a safer bet, than, than those two guys because he brings that rushing side of things. We know that he can uh, punch, punch drives in for touchdowns. This is a solid, solid, consistent quarterback who has developed into one of the best in the CFL. He's got an opportunity to make history in week six, and he's going up against a Saskatchewan team that I still have a lot of question marks about, and Hamilton's at home. I like that, and uh, if you're willing to put $10,000 on a quarterback, I think that it's, a, it's almost a no-brainer in Jeremiah Mazzoli if you've got the flexibility to fit in his salary.
2: I don't have much to add there. I agree with everything you just said. The only thing I will say to sort of emphasize that point is I like the floor. If 300 passing yards and another 50 on the ground is is your floor, if that's a minimum, um, I mean, even consider his last game against the Riders, where he didn't find the end zone, he still put up points because he he ran the ball and uh, he drove them to the he drove them into the red zone. He put up yards through the air. So that's what I like about it. There's the potential for something really really big, uh, but at minimum, he's going to give you a good. 15 points worst case scenario probably 20 points so i like that
1: early on i bounced around a lot with my quarterback picks not wanting to put too much money there so i could get some more value in other places and it really didn't work for me i had a couple straight weeks in the bottom out of the three of us since then i've regressed to safer quarterback picks my riley's my mitchell's and with them out i'm looking right at mazzoli This is the guy who I want. I need that steady guy at quarterback just to get the basis of the points. Although quarterback this week was rough. Riley's the only guy who really went off. I think he had 21 points. The rest of them were 15 or under. It was a very weird week for quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, Lule put up 15, and it wasn't trending in that direction. He was closer to five points going into that fourth quarter, uh, and he salvaged it during that crazy comeback. Uh, But other guys, it just wasn't there. We talked about the struggles of of Nichols and Harris, and then even James Franklin, who looked good throwing the ball in the rain and put up yards, uh, didn't score a touchdown and threw a pick, so he only ended up with 10 points. So, yeah, it was a rough week for the quarterbacks. And even if you spent... uh, have 14000 to get Mike Riley, you're probably not not thrilled with what he gave you. Uh, although, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you're spending the money on Riley, because even in a bad week, he's still giving you the 20 points. So
1: I was very tense when Bo went down in the first half, and I was yeah. thinking, man, stuck at 10 points for a quarterback. I'm just going to get roasted this week. But as the other scores came in, I was feeling a lot better about his performance. Okay,
2: Woof. okay, 100 <laughs> points. We get we it. We get it. We'll allow it, we'll allow it. You know what, we gotta give it to her. We gotta give it to her. You guys get
1: 100 points in a week and I'll give you guys props too.
2: <laughs> Don't hold your breath. We will, we will. We're coming. Hannah, what did you say? Some people are, are getting close to 600, has someone reached 600 points yet? What's our leader at? Well, do you know what our leader's at, our, our uh, national leader?
1: And Big Blue 82 573.1 points through five weeks. This is the guy who's getting over, five, or over 100 points every single week and there's quite a few of you guys over 500 you're killing it
2: all right we have some ground to make up we have some ground to make up uh this this uh this thursday night game speaking of which um what about on the other side of things you talked about the riders and how the the last few weeks even most of this season uh they've been able to muster much offensively and from a fantasy perspective that's been uh, a bit of a dry well uh we've stayed away in the past has anything changed for you guys there
0: I don't think so. I'm still, I'm still a little bit wary of, of the whole quarterback situation there. I certainly don't have any riders in my lineup right now. Um, that's, that's a group that I'm... If, if they're going to grow, and if they're going to grow into being a productive and consistent offense... I've got to see it first because right now I don't see that. So I'm still shying away from most riders, if not all riders in my offense right now, until they figure out what's happening with that quarterback situation.
1: I'm similar, definitely staying away from receivers. Marcus Thigpen intrigues me a little bit. 19.5 points against Hamilton last game, but you also can't go chasing last week's results. So I I don't think there will be any any riders in my lineup this week.
2: Yeah, I like Thigpen, um, and I may take him this week. I think I have him penciled in right now, although it's in pencil, so I may erase it. But you know what? It's not often you can get a lead back at 4,000, and he's, he's one of those game breakers that can score any time he touches the ball. And he seems to have established himself as a clear favorite in that backfield. The other guys are clearly backups, Trey Mason, uh, and Jerome Messam. And the other guy I like there, a bit of a sleeper, but I'm, I'm kind of going to keep him in my back pocket. I don't like him against Delvin Bro, but as long as John Carter's not on offense, I like Shaq Evans in that spot. I think he's, uh, he looks talented, and I'm going to keep an eye on him, uh, but he draws a really tough matchup there, so I don't think it's the week to go with him, but he could be a bargain buy for me down the road.
1: Yeah, future money pick right there. Before we finish, let's look at the Argos-Bombers game because Jeff... You brought out your crystal ball last week, and you had S.J. Green. You said he would get double-digit catches. Sounded kind of nutty. Ended up being right. Green, back to being a dependable fantasy option, or what do we make of this Argos offense?
2: I'm turning red right now. I'm so flattered.
1: Some applause for you, too. Here you go.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I honestly with this Argos offense it's it's a concern to me uh they have a really good quarterback I feel in James Franklin and and I've I've sung his praises enough I don't need to do that anymore um but that downfield passing option I mean SJ Green and Armonte Edwards are the top two options uh, but those guys are both on the wrong side of 30 they just don't scare me with who they've got catching the football uh so I you know what? I if I may go with S.J. Green. Sometimes he's still pretty pricey. Uh, he's gone back up a little bit. He's over the six thousand dollar mark this week. Uh, Armonte Edwards has has not been productive enough for me to take a chance on. And really, uh, outside of outside of Franklin and Wilder, that offense is looking like a like a pretty barren desert right now
0: yeah when it comes to wilder we have already talked about it he's in must-start category it's it's all about when it comes to toronto players if i really like uh, on the receiving side of things if i really like the matchup then maybe I'll, I'll go with the player. Maybe I'll put in an S.J. Green or something like that. But unless the matchup really jumps out at me, I'm a little hesitant right now. Look, I like James Franklin. I think that he showed some impressive signs in his two starts as a member of the Argos to this point, and I think that they're going to be okay and, and still in the conversation with him at quarterback. But I, just, I, I don't see them being explosive enough offensively on a regular basis for me to be comfortable in having a lot of uh, playmakers on the Argos side of things in my lineup so I'm still shying away from a lot of double blue players right now Wilder and maybe Franklin but mostly Wilder would be the exceptions
1: I'm getting more and more comfortable with Toronto and up against Winnipeg we've seen sometimes in a a half in a quarter the Winnipeg defense just completely forgets how to defense (laughs) there's no saying that that won't happen this time I kind of like the value there I think S.J. Green might be in my lineup this week But I've had my receivers on autopilot for the last couple weeks with Darrell Walker and Duke Williams, so I'm really going to have to look around this week because with those guys on a bye, man, I'm actually going to have to put some work in here.
2: I like the use of the word defense as a verb. Enjoyed that.
1: Defense going to defense. Or in Winnipeg sometimes they're not.
2: Who knows? Maybe Dexter McCluster changes things up a little bit there. Uh, I could see him being used as kind of that uh, Anthony Coombs receiver running back hybrid. And uh, well, maybe maybe one day Terrell Owens somehow ends up on that roster. Okay, I, well, okay. Okay. All right. I'll stop. I'll stop. Hannah, what's the next topic? I'll stop.
1: Well, then the bombers. What about them? Darvin Adams still hasn't been able to put up the big numbers. Looks like there could be a steal there, probably in Jeff's opinion. He's high on him. I'm still not sure. Are we looking at a guy like Adams, Dressler, Dembski?
2: Um, I am. And I, and, I mean, Dembski is, is still interesting and, a, and, and still a bargain by at his current salary. But Darvin Adams, $5,400. I really like that because, to me, he is still in that class of upper echelon receivers in the CFL. And he just hasn't had a very good season so far. Part of it was because Matt Nichols wasn't there. Uh, and part of it is because the Bombers offense hasn't always been taking uh, and, and uh, executing vertically. But I do think that he is going to have that breakout game. And uh, I think this could be the one against an Argos defense that, as we've talked about, is vulnerable to giving up big plays. You look at what the Eskimos have done, and uh, Duke Williams has had a field day the last two games against the Argos. I'm looking for Darvin Adams to get a lot of those catches this week and finally find the end zone. He's just way too good of a receiver to be held off the board for this long. And, and at that price, uh, I'm looking at him as a... As a WR1 that I can play in my WR2 slot so I love that
1: Fifty four hundred for Darvin Adams.
2: Yeah, and I I've got I'm right
0: now I'm I'm torn between him and Brad Sinopoli in my lineup as a flex player right now because I, you take a look at Darvin Adams guys he actually had his best game of the season in week number five where he I know he did not end up with a touchdown but he hauled in four receptions that's a high point for him through five weeks seventy two yards also his highest point as well so if we're talking as as we expect with Matt Nichols coming back into the lineup. We expect Adams to be targeted more. We expect him to be used more in this offense, more of a focal point. And with that will come the yards and eventually the touchdowns and some of the red zone looks. So I'm, I'm pretty confident confident at 5403 that Darvin Adams could be a, a solid buy this week. Him and Sinopoli, I'm, I'm torn between those two guys right there, so I'm with you. I, your, your analysis right there on Adams is bang on Jeff because I think he is a decent play this week. I think there's some decent bargains in, in Dembski and Dressler in there as well, but the, the biggest player on the Bombers in terms of playmakers, not named Andrew Harris that I'd be looking at in week six, definitely would be Darvin Adams. I think there's some value there.
2: And let me let me float another name out there that has sort of become forgotten in fantasy circles, and it's a Darius Bowman. And nobody's touching him right now. This is the one week that I'm sort of thinking hmm, I hope I can find a way to get him in my lineup, because honestly, that's a bargain pick right now. He hasn't done anything so far, so don't yell at me don't call me crazy um this is out there this is this is a hot take call it what it is uh I think that this is the week that Adarius Bowman and Matt Nichols start to sort of build things up a little bit Uh, he's not in that offense for no reason he's not a decoy I know he's aging a little bit um but he's not a spare part, and it's time for him to start contributing. So I, I see him making some catches this week, and I have a little bit of a prediction that he's going to find the end zone. I think that's what's going to happen.
1: That, that is bold, though. Two two weeks with no points, hasn't really done much of anything. Not two straight weeks, but yeah. two yeah. out of five so far. If he hasn't proven anything, I, I'm not going anywhere near him.
2: But The thing you have to consider in, that, in all of that is that the Bombers haven't been racking up passing yards uh, over that span. And I, I would think that that trend is going to end uh, very soon. And when it does, there there's going to be some yardage there for Bowman.
1: Well, if you guys are high on Nichols and you're high on a guy like Bowman or Darvin Adams, it leads well into our first fan question. What's the best QB receiver stack in fantasy this week? in terms of value, which I think Winnipeg, if you're stacking that, that would be value, and production.
0: Well, I mean, I, if if we're looking at value and production, I like the Nichols and Adams buy in terms of a stack, and and that's why because I've got Nichols in my lineup for Week Six, that's why I'm leaning towards Darvin Adams over Brad Sinopoli in that in that position we were just talking about. So I that that would be the one for me. And just just on the Darius Bowman front, uh, you, you're not that far off, Hannah. Uh, not two straight weeks of no receptions, but two straight weeks with one combined reception. So it's not that far off. So. That is, that is not the stack I'd be looking at. Uh, I'd be looking at Nichols and Adams as the best value that you could potentially get there uh, when you combine it to potential production.
2: Well, if Bowman comes through with something big this week, I am going to look like a genius, and I'm, I can assure you I'm going to be gloating about it come next week's podcast.
1: just need to make my warning. if it, It's not good value if it doesn't turn out. If you spend $3,000 and you get true. nothing in return,
0: you may as well, well spend nothing. Buy. Is it That's is it right. a hot is it a hot take though? Like are you going to put them in your lineup? You can't be too uh, you can't be too bullish on it next well, week and you can't be gloating too much if you don't put them in your lineup. If you put them in your lineup, then all due respect, sir, I will, I will give you all the time you need to gloat next week, but if you don't put him in your lineup, it's like, oh yeah, I had, I had that final four in, in March Madness. Oh yeah, I had, I had all those upsets. Well, where's your bracket? <laughs> if you don't have it, you can't brag about it.
2: Alright, well, fine. We'll see. I know what you're trying to do right now. You're trying to make me take Darius Bowman and put him in my lineup. Uh, it worked with you when we cornered you on Matt Nichols. Um, I don't know if it's going to work with this because I've got other, other players to consider there. I uh, just wanted to throw that out though uh, as far as the stacks go um and and I'll move it along but uh, I also like Trevor Harris and Greg Ellingson I think that's a can't miss connection this week Ellingson was too quiet last week and he should have a heyday against that uh, that Lions secondary
1: all right let's hit the three minute warning running out of time here three
2: minute warning now or is it it is the
1: warning. Starting with our money picks, Jeff, you want to lead us off?
2: Yeah, I talked about Adarius Darius Bowman, uh, but my money pick this week is going to be Ricky Collins. Uh, comes in at slightly over 3,000, but I feel like he's been targeted a lot, hasn't been able to come up with some big plays downfield, but I think that changes a little bit this week against the Ottawa Redblacks. I think uh, you're going to see some fireworks in that game. Um, and... He should, he should be able to establish some good chemistry with Lule. So I'm looking for that offense to get vertical and get moving downfield. I think Ricky Collins and Lule are, are a really underrated stack this week, in my opinion, uh, at a cost of, what, around, around $9,000. You can get the two for, so you could really stack your team elsewhere. Uh, so that's what I like this week.
0: If you are looking to find a, a true bargain-baseman guy that could have himself some decent production, I'm not talking about big-time production, but I think that Drew Wolotarski, with that matchup against Toronto, the worst passing defense in the CFL, I think he could put up some yardage. I think he might get a couple of targets. Even if he only hauls in two or three passes, we could still be talking about uh, between five and ten points for Wolotarski. So I think he's a, he's a decent buy at $2,500. If you're looking for a true bargain-baseman pick, I think Wolitarski's a safe bet in Week 6.
1: Yeah, I was big on Walatarski at the beginning of the season because he did have so much chemistry with Strebler, but hasn't quite been there yet with Nichols. Uh, This could be the week. I'm actually going to stay in Winnipeg, though, jumping in my time machine. Going back to my week one money pick... Nick Dembski. He's been at 2500 for several weeks. He's getting pretty consistent looks, consistent catches. He had almost 13 points last week. And at $3,400, this is maybe the last week where he'll be a money pick situation. So, Nick Dembski, I've had him in my lineup a few times this season, and I've been pretty happy with him. He is my money pick. Let's switch over to lock of the week. This guy will be in our lineup, guaranteed 100%. Jeff, who is your lock of the week this week?
2: Guys, I have sort of a policy with my with my picks or any pick in fantasy. I don't pick Z receivers, so I that I don't know. Pat, I I think that's a, that's a pretty gutsy move going with Walatarski. Um, for my money pick, I'm I'm going with Greg Ellingson, uh, dominant dominant receiver, and uh, love the matchup he's got with the Lions. Like I said before, I think there's something to exploit there, and I think Trevor Harris looks to him. Early and often Not only will he get A lot of targets I see him breaking uh, At least one long one And finding the end zone So I think Ellingson Is a can't miss pick this week.
0: Book it. William Powell, running back, Ottawa Redblacks, over 100 yards and a touchdown. I think he's having a huge game against the BC Lions. They are the worst rushing defense in the CFL. 152 yards on average. They're giving up per game on the ground. I think Powell is going to thrash that Lions D. Solomon Elamimian looks like he's going to be out long term. He will not play in week six, so their most important defensive player is subtracted from a team that is already getting hammered on the ground. I think William Powell has a huge game. No question Questions asked. He's my lock of the week.
1: And for me, I'm going Don Jackson. He's been super consistent, about as consistent as a player can be. And I think that's just his floor. I think he can go up so... Don Jackson in my lineup, pretty good value there.
0: All right, as we start to wrap things up, guys, any hot takes? Does, uh, does Jeff's take of both? Tw- I-, I guess we both agree, though. So I don't think that we can say 20 points for both Nichols and Harris is a hot take if both Jeff and I agree. So that doesn't qualify. But what about his Darius Bowman breakup, a ad- uh, breakout? A Darius Bowman good for a touchdown in week six? Does that qualify as a hot take?
1: I don't know if Adarius Bowman's good for a reception in week six.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, I'll qualify
1: that as a hot take. Guys,
2: nice. Guys, Adarius Adarius Bowman. Do we not remember when this guy was the best receiver in the CFL for five years? Come on. And he's starting right now, and he's priced $3,011. That's crazy to me. I think Matt Nichols gets him the ball this week. They're, they're, they are they're have it in the game plan. They're thinking right now. Paul Apelis is thinking about it right now. He's dreaming about it every night when he goes to bed. How can I get the ball to a Darius Bowman? That's what's going on. So that's what's going to happen.
1: All right, well, throw him in your lineup then, and I'll give you all the credit in the world.
2: Yeah, it only qualifies as a hot take
0: if you put him in your lineup. I did it with Matt Nichols last week, so uh, let's see if you have the intestinal fortitude to do the same thing with a Darius Bowman. Again, apparently all the bombers are where the hot takes are uh, two weeks in a row. Okay, guys, get your lineups in for week six. CFLfantasy.tsn.ca. Don't forget, if you end up being our overall winner when it's all said and done, $10,000 in your pocket. CFLfantasy.tsn.ca, week six, is upon us. Uh, this is the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Want to give a little love to our podcast brethren, our older brothers. They've been doing it longer. Davis and Sobalski with the waggle. Uh, you can listen every week. This week, they're going to be joined by Jerry Glanville. Not going to want to miss that. That is going to be a true football 101. So James Cebulski, Davis Sanchez, bring you the waggle each and every week. CFL total, pick them. Uh, pick them.cfl.ca Get your picks in. You can win some more cash that way. If you're good at picking and good at fantasy, you can be pretty rich by the time the 2018 season is all said and done. Okay, for Hannah Nordman and Jeff Crever, my name is Pat Steinberg. You can follow us all on Twitter. Hannah's at HL Nordman. Crever at Jeff Crever, And I'm at Fan96. Steinberg. Keep an eye on CFL.ca throughout the week for all your Roto experts, uh, options, and all that you need to know about your Week 6 Fantasy lineup. Hopefully we gave you some good advice this week. Hopefully I don't end up in last for a third consecutive week amongst the three of us. Enjoy Week 6. Enjoy the action on the field. More importantly, good luck with your lineups. We'll talk to you in Week 7. This has been the CFL Fantasy Podcast.